you're ready to make things happen. But chasing creative isn't always easy. Your time and energy go to your work, your family, and your life. Is it really possible to make space for the creative in your everyday? Here at the Chasing Creative Podcast, we believe you can. We're talking to everyday creatives who have insights and action steps you can take today to make your creative plans happen. I'm Ashley Brooks, a freelance writer and editor at Brooks Editorial and work-at-home mom who would love to devote more time to creative writing and journaling. And I'm Abigail Krebs, the writer and photographer behind Inkwells and Images. I'm living my creative life nights and weekends after I get home from my full-time job at an ad agency. And you're listening to the Chasing Creative Podcast. Welcome to episode 21 of the Chasing Creative Podcast. Today we are chatting with Erica Lane. She is a sunset chaser and a mom of three living in the San Francisco Bay Area. She writes at Let Why Lead, a place for purposeful women. She's passionate about living fully and filling her family with love and belonging and helping other women do the same. For regular reminders of the big picture, connect with her on Facebook, Pinterest, or at letwhylead.com. So thank you so much for joining us, Erica. We're happy to have you here. Thank you. I love what you're doing with your podcast, and I'm excited to be a part. Well, thank you. That means a lot that other people are finding this useful and valuable in their own days. Um, So I guess tell us a little bit about where you're at now and kind of how you got here. What uh, made you start Let Why Lead? Great. Well, I'm a writer, blogger, and editor. I did journalism in college, so writing writing has always been in my blood, Um, much longer than that, actually. (laughs) (laughs) I'm married, and I have three kids. They are seven and a half, six, and three. We live in the San Francisco Bay Area, and we love it here. We, we spend a lot of time adventuring together outside. Let's see, I wrote, well, I write a blog called Let Why Lead. The concept is to let why you live determine how you live. Um, of several years ago, I had been wanting to write a blog for ages, but I needed just the right concept to click, <laughs> you know, before you jump in. <laughs> totally and, understand. Yes, this was four years ago. Um, and I was pretty overwhelmed with life at the time with little kids and a a part-time job from home that I had and a husband who traveled a lot. And this concept of the why came into my life just exactly when I needed it. And it was just that if you focus on why you're doing what you do, you know, the things that really matter, then you can loosen your grip on everything else. So I started just zoning in on what really mattered to me, which was basically faith, family, and creativity. And from there, I launched the blog and have been happily humming away with it ever since. And then I also help a few other bloggers um, with editing. I do editing for them, and I contribute to three other websites, and I've written an ebook. So I usually have my hands in a few things, but I love it all. <laughs> yeah, that's an awesome origin story. And I can definitely relate to you with the overwhelm of the little kids and working a job from home because that's exactly where I am at right now. So um, one thing that that really reminded me of is, have you ever read the book called Start With Why um, by 
I think it's by Simon Sinek or Sinek, something like that. No, um, I'm pretty sure someone just recently told me I obviously needed to. <laughs> okay. Because is my thing, so I need to. <laughs> yeah, that just totally <laughs> reminded me of it. I was like, oh, I wonder if that book is where you first got that idea. So where did you first come across the concept or like stumble upon that idea of like letting the why guide your life? Yeah, you know how sometimes when something is supposed to come into your life, it starts popping up in a few different places. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's how it was. So <laughs> I I read I read something that Tish, um, the Art of Simple. Oh wrote, yeah, and it was mm-hmm. just some. I never tried co- to pronounce her last name. Yes, exactly. I did not even <laughs> go there. <laughs> um, it was just some conversation that she had with a guy named Sean. And even now I have the conversation just in a Google Doc somewhere, you know, in my among my meaningful things. <laughs> because they talked about the why briefly. And then I also um, heard a speaker talk about it, um, a religious speaker that I really look up to named um, Dieter F. Uchtdorf. But he talked about the why at the same time. And then I just ran with it. <laughs> That was enough signs for you to be like, yep, this is where I need (laughs) to be. Well, good. You say you have your hands in a lot of projects and you're obviously a very creative person. If you're a writer and a blogger and an editor, Um, have you always been a creative person? And if so, like, have you always been a writer or have you done other creative projects beforehand? Yeah. When I was younger, I would never, ever have said I was a creative person. Um, But I always loved to write and to read and... I think I wanted to be an author since I was in fourth grade. Um, mm-hmm. And the only other careers I ever thought about other than writing were architecture and interior design, which are both creative, obviously. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I, still, I still love both of, those, um, both of those fields. But at the time, I just thought, growing up, I thought that creativity had a really narrow definition, which was anything in the visual arts. So I thought because I really couldn't paint or draw that I wasn't creative, really. So uh, since then, I've grown up a bit and broadened my <laughs> definition to creative creativity to mean anything that makes my soul come alive. And I do do a lot of that, and I always have. Yeah, I think that's a definition that a lot of our guests have fallen prey to, is like what really makes you a creative. And, um, you know, they get that image that our culture portrays of like, oh, to really be a creative, you have to be a painter. You have to like wear berets and sit in a coffee shop all day. (laughs) I love that there's so many of us. Yes, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) And I love that there's just so many of us who are like breaking out of that mold and that stereotype and showing people that there are all sorts of different ways to be creative. So that's awesome. Um, So my favorite question to ask other writers and bloggers who have kids because I have a toddler who's almost two and then we have one on the way they'll be about two years apart exactly actually um so I'm curious to hear how you structure your day to make time to pursue those creative passions when you are wrangling all of those children (laughs) yes well first off I have to say I am not one of those creatives who can function in chaos And with three young children, that doesn't usually work to my advantage. (laughs) I can't deal with chaos. So I don't, um, I can't get my mind deeply into anything substantive, really, when the kids are underfoot. 
um, but I can do more task-oriented things. So usually I find little pockets throughout the day, like when they're watching a TV show or when they're playing outside with the neighbors, where I can get email done. If I need to correspond with a brand, I can, or do my social media, and also work on images, which I really love, but it doesn't take quite as much mental, um, I don't know, mental focus for me. So there's that. Then nap time, I've always done a bit more. I know a lot of um, creatives with kids do work then. But I also just really like to take naps. <laughs> so that gets in the way a little bit. <laughs> I take a nap um, most days, like a power nap, and then I'll work a little bit. I have, I have you know, maybe an hour and 45 minutes for my youngest naps when my older ones are at school. It's less if the boys are home, but... Uh, so usually I can get a little bit done there, but the bulk of my creative work gets done twice a week when I have a babysitter come for three hours each time. And then I just escape to Starbucks or to the library for a few hours and dive into something more substantive. And those are my happy times. <laughs> <laughs> it's just my happy place. Um, and then on the weekends, my husband will cover for me for a couple hours here and there if I need to get something more substantive done as well. So mm -hmm. that's about it. I know other create, creatives will try to wake up early, and I've experimented with that, but it's not, I don't think, it, I, I think I could do it at some point, but it's not for me right now. I get mm -hmm. up just early enough to get myself ready before I start getting the kids ready for school. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's enough for me now. But I'm really lucky that we can afford the babysitter a couple times a week. So that, that makes a big difference. Yeah, it sounds like you've got a really nice balance and structure going there because even like even being able to do that task oriented stuff, like you said, like the emails and the sort of drudge work of being a creative that nobody really wants to deal with. Um, I like that you take the time to do that during like those times a day where otherwise you might just be like sitting around not getting anything done because I do something similar in my own day and I'm like I try so hard to not jump into my inbox while my daughter's napping because I'm like no I could be doing yeah, something so much so better true. with this time <laughs> hard yes that's mm -hmm. great I also love having my kids around while I work because I think it's just a great example um, to them especially for my daughter to see that her mom always had a creative passion that mm -hmm. filled her up. So I've always, you know, taken a few minutes when I need to to set them down at the table with a little art project while I work on, you know, blog graphics or whatever. And they and I talk to them about everything I do. So I, I enjoy that, and I think it's valuable. That is such a good point. I think there's a lot of kids who don't get to see their parents pursuing those. Um, creative passions that matter to them. And so that's a really good thing to be showing our kids and like everybody else in our lives, I guess, too, to be like, hey, I'm a person and this is my thing that I'm interested in. So exactly. good for you. <laughs> so then you said you, you never mind sitting down and doing a little bit of work while the kids are there with you. Do you have like a dedicated office space or anything? Or do you have a desk in your living room? I mean, how do you kind of organize your creative space? I work all around, all around the house, <laughs> and I like that. I, I like being untethered for now, so 
I'll work on the living room sofa or the, di the dining room table, which is right next to the living room sofa, <laughs> or upstairs on my laptop on the bed, and we have a desk in our bedroom as well. So I like to, I just go wherever my brain tells me to go, <laughs> wherever I feel like is the right place at that moment. <laughs> well, that is excellent. And especially considering, and you've shared before that you used to be the um, apartment or condo manager of the building where you and your family lived before you bought your home. Um, so how hard was it to live in a smaller space with a family of five and still be able to like sneak away to get a little bit of focus for whatever it was you were doing at the time? Yeah, that was a little bit harder <laughs> now, now that I think about it. <laughs> we had a baby sleeping in the bathroom. I remember when she first learned how to stand up in this tiny mini crib in this tiny bathroom, and she started turning on the light in the middle of the night. And then we had to duct tape the light switch, you know. It, that was a different time. But at the same time, I don't feel like my workflow has changed that much because... I was working, you know, doing odds and ends around the kids just like I am now. Mm -hmm. And then I did have a babysitter then who came once a week for three hours, so I'd escape to do a little creative work then. And then my husband would take the kids on an outing or something so I could get a bit more done. So it's not, not too different. Well, that's really encouraging to people who don't have a dedicated office space or feel like they can't get anything done because they don't have like a place that is theirs. I know we've heard For sure. that on the podcast and I've read blogs and things about that too. Um, I currently share my office with the cat litter box. So really <laughs> romantic, guys. I know. So true. I also wanted to talk about a little bit more about that job where I managed that building. It was a building of 53 units. It was part-time, but it could bubble up and feel like a lot more and then sometimes mm -hmm. feel like a lot less. And we did it for seven years, and by the end, I was so, so <laughs> ready to be done, really over it. And since then, I've just been thinking about how during that time, my creative pursuits really felt essential to me, essential to my overall well-being because I was working at a job I didn't particularly like. Um, so my creative pursuits were a welcome distraction from the boring stuff like, you know, fielding complaints and checking smoke detectors. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and my writing was also therapy as I worked through my new roles as a young mom, a, a wife, and a building manager. Um, and then when, when I do take the, make the effort and take the time to follow my creative passions, I feel like that's when I get back in touch with the most elemental version of myself. That's when, it's when I'm working, like when I'm writing or editing, um, that I think this is me, this is really who I am, this is Erica. And mm -hmm. it feels amazing to, to have an identity outside of my more visible roles. I imagine that is true. I know I do not have children yet, um, but it's just one but of those things. The, you have the day job. and Yeah, it's one of those things that you just, you don't even think about. Those roles kind of just take over who you are and you get to kind of, you know, be yourself only in those free exactly. moments that you can scrape out of the bottom of the barrel. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I haven't even really, I've never really worked like a true uh, a true day job, like nine to five, five days a week, because I jumped into freelancing pretty much right after I graduated. But while I was, I've had 
jobs here and there that were, you know, like I would work eight hours a day, just not every day of the week or something like that. And that was while I was in college in my writing program. And, um, writing really did feel more essential to me than, like you said, than it does now. Um, because now I write as part of my job and it's not all creative writing, but it just like sitting down with my journal at the end of the day is still like a welcome relief, but it doesn't always have that same, like, Oh, I needed this. Like I needed this thing to stay tethered to myself. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it is, I almost kind of miss that part of it. Not that I want to like pick up a drudge job that I hate, (laughs) but, but you do kind of miss that. It's that like lifeline for you sometimes. Yeah, for sure. And I know for me in like the nine to five, you know, it's just that same thing over and over again. And I find that finding or that following some kind of creative passion just spices things up a little bit. It gives you something to look forward to, you know, at the end of the day or at the end of the week or even at the end of the month. It's just something that kind of, you know, marks that time a little bit more, I guess, fully. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I think it makes you a more interesting and a more passionate person on the whole. Some, the kind of person that people want to be around because they have interesting things to talk about and they have like a light, you know, something that lights them up. So, yeah, that is very true. I think there's definitely a spark in people who are passionate about something that people who are kind of just going through the motions of their day are lacking. So that's something to keep in mind. If you want to be an interesting person, go find something <laughs> creative to that's do. Right. And more people will <laughs> like you. Yes. <laughs> So you recently wrote a blog post that I really, really loved called In Defense of the Small Life. And it was all about how we don't have to live these big in the spotlight sort of lives in order to live purposeful lives. Um, And it just seems like right now the main message in a lot of those inspirational places, either books or blogs or wherever, is to go big and dream big and do big things with your life and So what's your advice for making your creativity count if you're someone who is living that small, ordinary life right now? Yes, this is such a great question. I really love that post because sometimes it's fun to just go counter culture, you know? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But we do, we're hearing that message so much right now, to go big, pursue your dreams. Um, And while I think it's inspiring and valuable, it can also be really discouraging if you're in a different stage of life. And I think that life is long and that we will have times when we can um, pursue our desires to a different level. But if you're in the smaller stage of life or what you might consider a smaller stage of life, then hearing that all the time can be really tiring and wearing. Yes. Mm -hmm. So... I wanted to write something that said, that just said, it's okay. You know, it, it's okay. If you're happy with where you are, then just love it. Um, but I think that the first thing that you have to ask yourself is who you're doing it for. Like, who are your creative ventures for? And something I think is interesting is that a lot of people in my real life don't know how much my my online writing means to me or how much time I'm spending at it. Mm-hmm. I bet that's the same with a lot of people who have a creative interest on the side. Yes, um, absolutely. So other, uh, yeah. Other moms at school and friends at church, they might know I have a blog, and that's really just the tip of the iceberg, but a lot of them don't even know that. Um, so sometimes 
in my interactions with people, I think this is funny that there's like this huge part of me, something I care about, you know, so much that you don't even know about. Um, but, and I think that it's, I often think it's really only my husband who totally gets how much this means to me, but that's okay. It's really okay with me. Um, it's not hugely important to me that the people in my life get it because I'm writing, um, for myself. It's enough for me to know that I have this. Um, so in keeping with the small life that I'm happy to be living right now, I write so that I can fill myself up and give the best me to my family and friends. And then anyone my writing touches along the way, that's just icing on the cake. Yeah, that is a really good point. I know in a, a previous episode um, this season, Ashley and I talked about what creative success meant to us and how uh -huh. so often we're finding like out in the internet that it means, you know, having a six figure business or exactly. getting published in, you know, X magazine or something. And, right. and we both kind of decided that that wasn't what we were going to let define whether or not our lives and our creative lives were a success. We both had, you know, much smaller success metrics. And I, I love that you you know, said that it's enough for me, like it's fulfilling to me. So therefore it is valuable. Yes, mm -hmm. absolutely. Yeah, and I think it's such a good point too, that like you said, I have that same moment too, sometimes where like I'm interacting with somebody, even somebody that I think I know fairly well. And I'm like, yeah, you have no idea what I do all day. <laughs> like I have like this whole online, like online world that I'm part of. And like, my husband always makes fun of me. He's like, all of your friends are online. <laughs> like, not, not all of them, but right. all of, most of my creative friends are yeah. like the people that I have, like the deepest creative relationships are people that exist they, online they, for me. I don't really know in person. Mm -hmm. They do. Yeah. And it's kind of hard to express to those people that we know in real life sometimes, because it's like, how do you explain to someone like, okay, yeah, so I write and it's really important to me and I put it out there on the internet and I meet people because I put my writing out there on the internet. I know. Unless you're doing it, it does seem kind of far-fetched. Yeah, it's just this whole other realm of connecting to people. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like an alternate universe trying to explain that to somebody in the real world. It's, especially maybe someone a generation or two up, like my parents. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I know a couple of weeks ago, we went to go visit my husband's grandmother, who I believe is in her late 70s. She holds her age very close to her heart. Oh. Um, but Scott mentioned that I was podcasting, and she's like, podcasting? What? What is that? And so trying to explain podcasting to someone who's never been on the internet before wow. was a really unique experience. And I kind of like likened it back to like the radio programs that people exactly. used to sit and listen to mm -hmm. except I was like yeah. but now you can get it anytime you want you don't have to sit there at 6 p.m on a Sunday night <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome yeah. so yeah. funny the perks of technology that's right <laughs> there are many so speaking of technology though a lot of the times it is I mean it's a blessing and a curse it can really overwhelm us um, so for you, Erica, when you're busy or overwhelmed, how do you take a step back and really recharge? Yeah, let's see. Well, I've written about this on my blog a few times because I really care about um, helping women 
live their best lives and I think we need to be in touch with our inner voice in order to do that. So one of the main things I do if I'm just feeling off is go back to my family purpose statement. And our family has just written out our, our values, what really matters to us in a few lines. And those serve as a roadmap for our family, but they also serve as a roadmap just for me because they happen to be my values too. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I'll, re- I'll reread that and that will kind of anchor me again and help me remember that a lot of the extraneous stuff can fall to the side. So I think learning to live by your values and, and really guard those and let go of a lot of the extra stuff I think that is key um, to finding joy and to being able to get back to a good place over and over again. So that's one. And then I also think that self-care, this idea of self-care, which is really, um, it's talked about a lot online right now. I think it's not so much what we do, like a list of a hundred more things that you could add to your to-do list. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, It's really just more a lens that we get to use to see the world. And it's just this lens of loving yourself and taking care of yourself and then giving up to other people. Um, So I think some of those things, first of all, if you have kids, you can, you can do that with your kids around, you know, like six, Six seconds, they say scientifically that six seconds of physical touch releases endorphins. So if you climb into your kid's bed in the morning before school starts and just cuddle for six seconds, you know, that's something you can do to sort of fill yourself back up and reconnect you with your child. Um, So Mm -hmm. sometimes I think, sometimes we think of self-care as like, I need to be shut up, shut up in my room, you know, Mm -hmm. with the door locked and a bubble bath (laughs) (laughs) and the works. And I am a big fan of all that for sure. But, but sometimes it can just be simple, like making hot chocolate with the kids and drinking it together. You know, we did that just Mm -hmm. today because it was a rainy day here. Um, so I think, I think just filling yourself back up any way you can, whether it's by yourself or with the kids, um, with your husband, with your friends, you know, and then learning to love yourself enough that you really just keep coming back to that, that you do it over and over and over again. Yeah, I really like that approach, Um, especially what you said about not making self-care just another item on the (laughs) to-do list, because I have seen those lists on Pinterest where it's like 10 things you can do to take care of yourself today. And I'm like, oh, that would be like, it's like, it's actually formatted as a checklist. And I'm like, oh gosh, that's like 10 more things to fit into my day. Exactly. Um, But I really like that perspective of just sitting there and being like, okay, like, what do I need right now? And chances are, it's something that you can do with your kids around. Like you said, um, it doesn't necessarily need to be this like, well, I need to go get a facial right now. Or like (laughs) some extravagant um, alone spa day, you know, you can recharge yourself in a lot of different ways that are very accessible, just in your ordinary everyday. So I love that perspective on that. I've also talked on my blog before, just mentioned this phrase, jolts of joy. I like to fill my life with jolts of joy, just little things that bring me happiness. Like right now, I'm really into plants. <laughs> so mm-hmm. houseplants, you know. I have yeah. these two fiddly fig trees that are like my babies and a bunch of, <laughs> a bunch of other um, 
plants and they just give me this ridiculous amount of joy like every time I look at them and I always am cutting fresh flowers from outside or just random branches and or buying them at Trader Joe's whatever and every time I see them they make me happy or a good smelling candle just those little jolts of joy I think we can fill our lives up with those and it doesn't always have to be um, expensive or time-consuming it's just it's it's more like your surroundings exactly it's going back to those simple things again so we will link to a couple of those blog posts you mentioned in the show notes so that people can check those out if they want to read those more in depth um so you mentioned that when you first started your blog you did it because um one your job was sort of draining the life out of you and you had small kids and the why just kept popping back up into your life so how has your life changed since you first started that journey to become more intentional in the way you spend your time well i think that i my nature is just pretty purposeful it's how i've always been so i remember a roommate being stressed out in college and me thinking well, that's not really serving you, you know? And she, she'd, get, she'd get, like, frustrated with me when I wasn't stressed out. And, I mean, of course, I worked hard and got stressed some. But I think I always have had this, this like, laser-like focus on what I wanted my life to be like. Um, so my life may not have changed hugely, but I have noticed that my life satisfaction has. So just by making little changes, like um, little changes, like volunteering less, you know, to help with random things, and just instead realizing that the service I'm giving to my immediate family is pretty darn big. <laughs> um, those little changes have brought me more life satisfaction. So now I just feel like I'm living this life that I designed rather than a life that I kind of tumbled into. So I'm grateful for, for those things. The changes I've made like since I've been writing may not have been drastic, but they're overall contributing to this sense of wellness that I'm building in my life um, that I think is worth a lot, really valuable. Mm -hmm. What about you guys? <laughs> tell, me about, tell me about your intention, intentional use of your time. How's it going? Oh gosh, you go first, Abby. <laughs> this is why we interview people, so we don't have know, to talk. <laughs> I know, but I was a journalist in at least for a short stint, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would rather you talk. No. Oh, that's great. Um, I, I know I started trying to be more intentional with my time probably three years ago now, and just kind of you know graduated college and started a day job, and I didn't really like it. And it was one of those, like, you just feel like you're on that hamster wheel going absolutely nowhere. So for me, just, I mean, starting a blog and, and starting to just really intentionally use my time, my downtime, um, not just watching, you know, whatever latest TV show it is or, um, you know, not reading just the latest book, but being very, very specific about what I choose to spend my time on has helped me. Um, I guess maybe appreciate my time more. I don't feel like it's as fleeting. Like I get yes. to choose how to use it and right. that makes it yeah. very much more valuable both to me and the people around me. And like you said, like I'm using my time better. I'm using it in more fulfilling ways. And so I'm a better person for everybody around me. I'm happier. Exactly. Yeah, I'm happier. I'm 
um, more invested in the everyday, like how things go and what I do and what I focus on and what I don't focus on. And I think that to me has just been an essential part of like overhauling my life's purpose. Yes. How empowering is that anyway, you know, to feel like you're in control of your time more so? That's amazing. Yes. Mm -hmm. What about you, Ashley? Oh, gosh. <laughs> I you I can't the book totally pinpoint. Right? Yeah. Yes, yeah. we love essentialism. We both yes, love that I book. I heard you guys um, talk about that. <laughs> I can't totally pinpoint when I first got really intentional with my time. I just remember that when my husband and I first got married, um, we got married right before I graduated college, and then I graduated, and um, I wasn't totally freelancing yet. Like I was, I knew that I wanted to freelance, but. I was mostly just working at a coffee shop like 20 hours a week and we didn't have kids and we were living in this house that we were fixing up, but my husband was doing all the fixing. So I was just sort of sitting there and I felt kind of superfluous, like my days Directing. just sort of slipped away from me and not much happened in them. And I sort of threw myself into starting the freelance business because I just needed to feel like I was contributing somehow and like I had a project and I was doing something and I got swept into that world of creative entrepreneurship that we talk about sometimes where everybody's all about the hustle and they're all about marketing and you have to do this and you have to do that. And I spent probably a solid year trying to follow all the advice that was everywhere and just getting totally burned out on it. And somewhere in there, I stumbled across, I'm guessing it was maybe Jess Lively. It was the first person I ever heard talk about being intentional um, because she combines intentionality with her business. And so I'm thinking she's the first person that I came across who talked about like thinking about what you're doing before you're doing it and not just doing it because somebody else told you that this is the right <laughs> way to do things. And that was a huge game changer for me because all of a sudden it felt like before I had felt like the hamster on the wheel where I was like, okay, I'm hustling, I'm hustling, I'm doing what you told me to do. And now it's just this totally different perspective where it's like, I'm taking really focused steps toward the things that I want, not necessarily towards the things that everybody else says that I should want. So like the six figure business, like we talked about before, like six figures would be cool, but I don't <laughs> like, that's not my big aspiration in life, you know? Um, so I think it just sort of changed my mindset and it definitely helped prepare me for motherhood because I know that if I had still been stuck in that unintentional lifestyle before I had Hadley, I would have absolutely drowned once I was trying to juggle a business and a baby at the same time. So awesome. Yeah. So it feels a little weird having the tables turned on us. I don't know. I don't know how to jump <laughs> back does. into an interview from here. <laughs> We're like, we don't know what to do with ourselves now. Get a, up our skills. Um, so, you know, we've all kind of talked about how we are trying to lead more intentional lives. And I think that looks a little bit different for everybody. Um, but also I think inspiration looks a little bit different for everybody. So for you, Erica, where do you go to find inspiration aside from your lovely houseplants? <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, I'd say, you know, day-to-day -day life and just watching my kids interact. I'm often jotting down a tiny experience that could be eventually become an intro to a blog post or a future book idea. And then I do listen to a lot of podcasts and audiobooks. 
And those fill me up and um, spark more ideas. Yeah. Can we ask what a couple of those are? Like, what are your favorite podcasts? Oh, oh yeah. Or... I love Jess Lively, who you just mentioned, yeah. The Lively Show. Mm-hmm. And one called The Unmistakable Creative. Creative? Yeah, I think so. Have you heard of that one? I, I haven't, I actually. Have. But Creativity Podcasts really intrigue me. Yeah, it's, it's really great. I think the host's name is Srini Rao. And he has like a 500 episode archive. So he's been around for a while, but he interviews really cool people. So I like that one. Um, then audiobooks, you know, I listen to all the, all the current nonfiction, like Essentialism, and I love Brene Brown. Then another place that I find inspiration is in silence. Because I just do my best thinking in silence (laughs) or possibly while I'm vacuuming. (laughs) Um, I I like like the the din of a little bit of noise like you get Mm -hmm. at Starbucks at a coffee shop or while I'm vacuuming and it kind of drowns out the sound of my kids like running wild around me. (laughs) Um, I often find myself feeling really grateful to be alive during those quiet moments. And that gratitude usually flows into ideas. So I'd say those are my big things, day-to-day life, podcasts, audiobooks, and just quiet moments, silence. I feel like that's such a skill to have right now, to be able to sit with your own thoughts and not only sit with them, but like find goodness in them. I think so many people just have trouble even being alone in their own heads these days. So that's fantastic that that's a place where you actually enjoy being and finding inspiration. That's great. I was going to say, so you mentioned, um, the audio books. And so I love that you listen to nonfiction books because those usually take me way too long to read. So I need to get in the habit of listening to them instead so that I don't take so much time on them. But what other books have really inspired your creativity or books that are your favorites of all time or things that you're reading right now? We love hearing about all of it. Okay, great. I love people who love books. So, um, (laughs) Let's see. Yes, I listen to almost all of my nonfiction. I have a really hard time plowing through and just reading nonfiction, but listening to it, I love it. So I listen to it, you know, in the car or just while I'm doing cleaning around the house and stuff like that. Um, One of the best books that I've read lately is the book called Love Does by Bob Goff. Goff. And... That book, that guy is just so amazing. He's like a parent and he was an ambassador, but he's the most down-to-earth, quirky man you have ever heard. <laughs> and he, narr- he narrates his audio book so you feel like he's just talking oh, to you. Oh, wonderful. I, I always love it when the author narrates. But, um, and he just sees the world and love and God the way I want to see the world and love and God. And he believes in like magic and whimsy and chasing, chasing what you love and not taking everything too seriously. And a, he believes in a God who just loves us all more than anything and doesn't want us to be a certain way, but just wants us to be who we are. So that book has made a big impression on me lately. Love does. Yeah, I keep meaning to read that one and I haven't. So I'm going to move it to the top of my nonfiction list. Do. Yeah. And if you can listen to it, even better. Okay. 
That Bob Goff, I just love him. I follow him on Twitter. He's just a crack up. <laughs> um, then, let's see, my favorite book of all time is called The Winter Sea by Susanna Kearsley or something. I'll, I'll give it to you for the show notes, but it's just a historical fiction. Like so many um, fiction books do right now, it bounces between the past and the present every other chapter. And it has like a nice um, romance line and it's just happy. I just like that book. <laughs> and <laughs> then anything by Leanne, Leanne? I guess you say it, Leanne. I think it's Moriarty. Leanne, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Moriarty, mm-hmm. have you guys read her stuff? Like, I she love wrote, her um, books. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah, yeah. I've read one of them and it was really good. It was a Big Little Lies, I think. Yes, Big Little Lies. Mm-hmm. I think I really like that one. And Three Wishes. Well, I like how she writes um, about current topics that women deal with, but with fiction. Like, she'll kind of tackle harder subjects sometimes, like abuse or, or like in, maybe infidelity or people being not who we expected them to be, but in a way that's still upbeat and really entertaining. And it, it makes you think, but also makes you never want to put the book down. So I really like her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, she's my version of a beach read of like, because yes. I don't yes. usually like fluffy books. Yeah. But her right. books are this perfect balance of, like you said, like dealing with heavier topics and like really deep characters. But the way that she treats yeah. them doesn't make it feel like a heavy book. It's just exactly. really fantastic. It's really interesting. Yeah, because it's like I wouldn't normally pick contemporary like chick lit like you might describe her books, but her books are just mm-hmm. kind of different. Mm-hmm. I love her. Um, and then let's see. Oh, the book I'm reading right now is the wild diet. Kind of embarrassing. No, (laughs) the wild diet. I've been, (laughs) I've been really into, um, trying to figure out like long-term sustainable health habits. I think now that I'm in my thirties and am maybe done having babies, (laughs) I want like health habits that I can just keep and that will help me feel good and healthy and have energy. So I've been interested in like the paleo kind of movement because it seems like nutrition information is just so convoluted right now mm-hmm. and so confusing. Mm-hmm. And we're, I feel like we're shifting from the whole like low fat concept, low fat, like light, you know, low cal to like the more paleo caveman kind of way. <laughs> I, I feel like maybe it's evolving that direction, the nutrition message. I'm just interested. So and I like that you've even taken your intentional living to that <laughs> idea of like sustainable lifelong eating habits, because yeah. I'm like, like I tried to do a whole 30 and I couldn't even do it. I did four days, but right? still like whole, t- there was no way that was going to be sustainable. <laughs> yes, I know. It's so true. Um, yeah, I, I like the podcast Happier, you know, by Gretchen Rubin and all of her mm-hmm. writing too. And so I've been sort of thinking a lot, maybe because I listened to that show, but about habits. And I've been trying to focus on things that I can just do and keep like forever, Mm -hmm. you know, like I have a daily alarm set to tell me to take my multivitamins and, you know, I try to eat salads every day for lunch, like just, just long-term stuff that can become just so much a part of you that you don't even think about it Mm -hmm. anymore. So I've been kind of working on that. I like that. (laughs) And I think that ties back into intentionality as well, because so often you read, you know, articles about um, trying to eliminate decisions from your life. 
So if you automatically right. yeah, decision fatigue, yeah, decision fatigue, that's the word. There you go. Um, mm-hmm. so if you automatically just know that every day for lunch, you're going to have a salad, like one less decision you have to make one last, like one less decision you have to waste your brain power on. So, yes, yes. I like that. I love that concept. I try to, I try to do that with, you know, little routines. Like I think kids tend to settle into routines and feel secure when they have them. And it eliminates some of the decision-making and some of the, um, power struggles between me and the kids. Yeah. And mm-hmm. even my closet, you know, keeping it kind of simple and kind of um, mix and match so it's easier to get dressed. Yeah, I'm totally on board with all of that, even though I'm still struggling a little bit with the execution. I feel like life is always in a bit of an upheaval when you're pregnant. Yes, but yes. Oh, my goodness. I, I try to settle into routines when I'm not pregnant. No, I could write a whole book on that. Yes. <laughs> You got to give yourself a lot of slack during each pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is true for sure. So, do you want to tell everybody before we go where they can find you on social media and what your website is one more time just so they can yes. look you up and read your awesome posts? Yes, I'd love to have all of you. Um, so, I write at letylead.com. And again, it's let W H Y lead like let why you live determine how you live. And you can also find me on Facebook the same way, let why lead or Pinterest, the same name or Twitter. <laughs> so let why lead everywhere. makes it easy. <laughs> makes it easy. It there it's you perfect. go. <laughs> oh, and if you want to look up my ebook, it's on Amazon. It's called how to craft a family purpose statement. Perfect. We will link to that in the show notes because that ties perfectly back into everything we talked about tonight. So good deal. Well, thank you so much for coming and sharing all your wisdom about being intentional with creativity tonight. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure. Thank you, Erica. Chasing Creative podcast. If you like what you heard in this episode, be sure to stop by chasingcreative.com to check out the show notes, catch up on past episodes, and subscribe to the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love it if you leave us a review on iTunes. You can also join in the creative conversation by tweeting to us at Abigail E. Krebs or at Brooks Editorial or by using the hashtag Chasing Creative on Twitter and Instagram. If there's a guest you'd love to hear from on the podcast, or if you have any feedback for us, drop us a line at chasingcreativepodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Until next week, go chase your creative.